What's better than Anchor's podcast creation tools? Nothing. Mankind has always searched for evidence of God's perfection, and we found it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use straight from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the lesser of the podcast platforms like Stitcher. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've made $5, and I've been doing this for three months. So, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Have the people at work been needling you? Have your children been clawing at you, demanding your attention and food? It's time to go to bed, and it's time to hear a bedtime story here on Bedtime with Glenn. Let me whisper a uh, classic fairy tale softly in your ear. As I also give you a content warning, most fairy tales are horrible with a lot of murder and other adult things that I don't really want to talk about out loud. But luckily there's not a lot of swearing. So nuzzle up, bury that head in your little pillow, pull that blanket up to your chin, and enjoy Bedtime with Glenn. Today's story is going to be the old Russian story of Baba Yaga, a creepy witch that floats around in a mortar and a pestle uh, and lives in a house with chicken legs. Deep in a birch forest in the heart of Russia was a small clearing, and in that clearing lived the witch, Baba Yaga, meager as a skeleton and always hungry. Everything around her had to do with food. Her crooked little hutch perched high on a giant chicken leg, and the fence around the hut was built from human bones, left over from her messy meals. When Baba Yaga went hunting, she traveled in a mortar, rowing the air with a pestle and sweeping her tracks away with a broom. She lived a solitary life, as might be expected, for few cared to risk her eager grasp and ever-blazing oven. Still... Even Baba Yaga had occasional visitors, mostly straying travelers, and some of her visitors lived to tell the tale. One of these was no more than a timid girl. This is how the adventure came about at the edge of Baba Yaga's forest, lived an ugly, evil-tempered woman with her two equally ugly, evil-tempered daughters, and, to the woman's chagrin, her one lovely stepdaughter, Valicia. Felicia's father was a merchant who had married the woman after his first wife's death and then, driven no doubt by the tenor of his new spouse's conversation, traveled far away on business, leaving his sweet-natured daughter in her care. The girl's lot was a hard one. Her stepmother banished her to a cold and lonely attic room. Her jealous stepsisters made no secret of their dislike. And what's worse, they used her as a, a servant. Felicia was required to tend the pigs and weed the garden, clean the house and cook the meals, and from these meals she was given only the meanest scraps. Curiously enough, however, she flourished and bloomed pretty as a rose among the thorns. 
Valencia thrived because her own mother, on her deathbed, had given her a magical doll. It was a tiny creature with glowing eyes, and it was alive. Valencia kept it near her always, and her mother had said to do, and she told no one of its existence. The doll did the sweeping and the polishing, the cooking and the gardening, so the growing girl could rest. In return, Valencia petted and fed it. At night, when the girl was locked in her room, the doll kept her company. As the years passed and the maidens in the household approached marriageable age, the stepmother found herself rankled by the very sight of Alicia, whose charming face presented an unwelcome contrast to the appearance of her own dull daughters. Eventually, the stepmother decided to rid herself of the girl. Accordingly, one autumn evening, she set tasks for all three maidens. Her own daughters were to knit and to make lace, and Valencia to spin, and all this fine work was done by the light of one candle. Obediently, the maidens bent over their work. Daylight departs early in Russian autumn, and soon the candle made only a tiny pool of light in the shadowy room where the three girls worked. After a while, the elder stepsister, pretending to trim the candle wick, snuffed out uh, even that feeble light, just as she had been instructed by her mother. At once... There occurred an event so strange that it had not been explained from that day to this. Although it appears to have been the work of Valicia's stepmother, she must have had a magical aid to do it. It was as if a spell had been cast upon the house. Every candle guttered and died. Every room was dark and so silent that the maidens clearly heard the rustlings of a mouse busy at work behind the walls. The elder stepsister, as her mother had told her to do, turned spitefully on Felicia, just as if the pretty girl had caused this calamity. Now, she said, this house will be without a light unless we get it from Baba Yaga in the forest. And how will you finish the task our mother has set for you? I need not go. I can see to work by the moonlight on my lace-making pins. My sister need not go. She can work by the moonlight on her knitting needles. But no light reflects from your spindle. Since you cannot see work, you can make yourself useful by going to Baba Yaga and bringing back the light for us. And she leapt up and thrust Felicia from the room. Felicia slowly climbed the stairs to her attic, where the magic doll quietly waited. She fed the doll the scraps she had saved for it and cried. That is really creepy that there's a doll that has to be fed. Help me, Dolly. My father is not here to save me, and my stepsisters are sending me to Baba Yaga. She is death herself. The doll's eyes shone like two candles. It appeared to consider the dilemma for a moment. Then it said calmly in its tiny voice, Do as you're told, Valicia, but, but take me in your pocket. No harm will follow you as I am with you. So Valicia took the doll and put it in her pocket of her apron and slipped from the house into the forest, picking her way quickly as she could among the gleaming white trunks of birch trees. The moon sailed overhead. As its light cast in curious shape in Felicia's path as she walked, she saw the eyes of the forest creatures glittering in the shadows, and she heard strange rustlings and murmurings. Once she heard a deep, low growl. No harm came to her, however. The night wore on and the moon set. Felicia shivered with the cold, but still she walked, Suddenly, a pale horseman galloped across her path, white-faced, wearing white and riding a white horse. He disappeared into the forest. A silvery light crept through the trees behind him, and at that moment, the first birds sang. Now, 
Valicia walked through the waking forest. After an hour, another rider flew by. This one was a red-faced man, clothed in blazing scarlet and mounted upon a, a roan. Behind him, a shaft of rosy sunlight shone through the trees. The air began to warm. Still, Felicia walked alone, save for the doll in her pocket. She walked the whole day, and as the light began to slant through the trees and the shadows to lengthen, she came upon a clearing. She halted at once in the shelter of the birches, for what she saw was fearful indeed. In the clearing stood a high fence made of silvery bones, and on each fence post grinned an empty-eyed skull. The gate was made of bones, too, but the lock was a sharp-toothed mouth and a bolt of skeletal hand. Within the fence was the witch's house, rocking gently on its chicken leg. No one was there. As Valicia stared, a black-cloaked rider on a sable horse swept across the clearing and vanished into the trees. Behind him streamed smoky fingers of darkness that curled around the bone fence and shadowed the house. As night fell, the eyes of the fence post skulls began to glow like torches, casting double beams of firelight onto the ground around the fence. The clearing was very still after the horsemen passed by, but as Felicia waited among the trees, she began to hear far away the faint sounds of branches crackling and leaves rustling. The noises sounded nearer and nearer. Then out of the woods swept Baba Yaga, riding in her mortar, with her pestle in one hand and her broom in the other. She alighted before the gate, her long nose quivering in the cool evening air. I smell Russian blood, she said in a thin, reedy voice. Come out, whoever hides here. Felicia felt in her pocket to make sure the doll was with her, then stepped from the sheltering branches and bowed before the witch. It is I, Felicia, the girl spoke shyly and kept her eyes politely lowered. My stepsisters have sent for you for a light. "'Indeed, I know your stepsisters,' said Baba Yaga with an unpleasant smile. "'You shall have light, and you might even live to take it home.' Well, "'That's friendly. But first you must live here and work with me.' "'Unlock! Open up!' she said to the gate, which did so at once. Felicia followed the witch through the gate, which shut behind her with a rattle of bones and a click of the lock. The mortar, pestle, and broom that the witch had used whisked themselves out of sight, and Felicia followed Baba Yaga up a ladder into the hut. Then Baba Yaga threw herself into a chair. Her eyes glittered. I'm hungry, she said. Serve me everything you find in the oven. In the oven, Felicia found a roast suckling pig, and in the pantry, pickled mushrooms and kasha, <laughs> salt herring, bliny with butter, borscht, and the little pastries called uh, pierogi, as well as wine. Enough food for at least ten people. All of it she served to the witch, who ate with gusto and at length. Finally, she wiped her mouth and announced, Tomorrow I'm going out. In the wooden bin in the yard is a bushel of wheat. Sort it from the chaff. Sweep the yard, clean the hut until not a speck of dirt remains. Wash all the linen and make sure that it is as white as new-fallen snow. Then cook me a fine big dinner. If all this isn't done, and done well, I'll grind your bones. And she closed her eyes and began to snore. Felicia crept into a corner with the scraps of food that the witch had left and fed them carefully to the doll. She wept at the impossible task that the witch had set for her and at the prospects of becoming the witch's dinner. 
but the doll was not at all perturbed. Its eyes shone comfortingly, and it said in its little voice, The morning is wiser than the evening. Go to sleep, Velisa, the beautiful, and fear not. When Velicia awoke early the next morning, the glowing eyes of the skulls were fading to blankness. The white horsemen, and then the red, galloped through the clearing. Light streaming behind them, and the day broke. Baba Yaga awoke and whistled to her mortar and pestle, which appeared along with the broom. The witch hopped into the mortar, favored Velicia with an ominous and long-toothed grin, and swept away, leaving the girl to her tasks. But the doll was ready. It leapt from Valicia's pocket and washed the clothing, hanging it neatly to dry and whiten in the sunshine. It cleaned the hut, swept the yard, and raked the dirt into neat little patterns. Valicia had nothing to do but cook the dinner and examine the witch's hut, which she did with curiosity, admiring the embroideries and chests full of silver, and avoiding mysterious jars and bottles and jugs of strange liquids. As the day drew to a close, the doll settled down into the wheat bin, and with its nimble little fingers winnowed the grain from the chaff. Eventually, the black horsemen swept by, the skull's eyes began to gleam, and Valicia heard the far-off rustlings that heralded the witch's arrival. Then in came Baba Yaga, looking ravenous. Everything's done, said the witch. Yes, indeed, said Valicia. Please uh, see for yourself. Baba Yaga marched through the hut to inspect it, growing more morose with each piece of tiddly-folded snowy linen and each neatly scrubbed pot. She clearly was disappointed, but all she said was, Faithful servants, grind my wheat. At once, three pairs of hands appeared, gathered up the wheat, and disappeared again. The evening passed, much as it had done the one before. The witch ate a gargantuan meal, and set the girl another round of tasks for the following day. The worst of which was to separate all the dust particles from the barrel full of poppy seeds. Then, after reminding Valicia that failing at any of the tasks would mean death, she arranged for herself to sleep, and soon was snoring peacefully away. Trapped in the dreadful hut, within the bony fence, Valicia spent a second anxious night listening to the rumblings of the sleeping Baba Yaga and fearing both the darkness and the coming dawn. In the morning, however, Baba Yaga simply disappeared with her mortar and pestle into the forest as before. The doll set to work to fulfill all the tasks and separate the dust from the poppy seeds. By nightfall, when the black horseman rode by again, the skull's eyes gleamed again and the witch returned. The seeds were clean. Baba Yaga made no comment to the girl. She only cried, Faithful servants! Grind these seeds and get their oil. And the three pairs of hands materialized out of the air as before and disappeared with the pile of poppy seeds. Still, Baba Yaga seemed in a benevolent frame of mind. For her, after her huge dinner, she seemed in need of entertainment. She glanced at Felicia and said, You've certainly been dull and quiet up till now. You may ask a question if you're curious enough and brave enough. And I will warn you in fairness, however, that not every question has the answer you might wish for. <laughs> Valicia gathered her courage and said, Baba Yaga, I want to ask about the three riders I saw on my journey. It's as well for you that you thought to ask only about things outside this hut, the witch replied with her nasty grin. I don't like young maidens who pry into my private affairs. Very well, here is an answer for you. Those riders are my faithful servants all. 
The pale man on the pale horse is my daybreak. The red man on the roan is my sun. And the black rider my night. And now it's my turn, she continued. How did you manage to do the tasks I set for you? By my mother's blessing, replied the little girl timidly. But she need not have been frightened. Baba Yaga had a profound dislike of any blessing. With a snarl, she jumped from her chair and pushed Felicia out of the house and through the gate. She snatched a skull from the fence, stuck it on a pole, and thrust it into Felicia's hand. A little light for your sister, she explained. Now go away. The journey home was dreadful. Trees clustered in her path as before. She saw glimmerings in the underbrush and heard strange noises. She kept a firm grasp on the pole that bore the skull. However... And its eyes gleamed steadily, lighting Valicia's way for her. The skull itself made not a sound. When day broke, the eyes faded into emptiness. Valicia walked on through the forest until dusk, when at last she found herself at her stepmother's house. The house was dark. Not a light shone from any of the windows. Still, it was just twilight, and not the same time to light the candles. Thinking that her stepmother and sisters would have no use for it. Valicia made to throw a skull away. A deep voice from within stopped her. Do not cast me away, said the skull. I am meant for your stepsister, your mother. You must take me to him. So Valicia pushed open the door of the house and went inside, bearing the skull. To her surprise, the three women within greeted her with pleasure. The first welcome she had ever had in that house. The reason for the unusual courtesy, it turned out, was the thing that happened in Valicia's absence. If the stepmother had indeed used magic to douse her household light, she had gotten more than she bargained for. For no light at all could be made in that house. Even torches borrowed from neighbors guttered and died as soon as they were carried across the threshold. The women turned eagerly to the skull, whose eyes had begun to glow. The gaze of those eyes, for the gaze it now seemed, fell on the stepmother, who gave a cry and jumped aside. At once the light in the skull's eyes flared greedily. Of its own accord, the creature's head turned so that it again looked upon the stepmother. In a moment, she was enveloped in flame, and in another, entirely consumed. The eyes sought each of the stepsisters and returned and burned them to ashes. When the light within the skull faded, the room was quiet. Let alone with the magical doll in the skull, Alicia waited out the night, pondering what to do next. She could not stay on alone in this unhappy house on the edge of Baba Yaga's forest. She decided to seek protection until her father should return from his travels and claim her for his own once more. In the morning, therefore, she carefully buried the skull in the earth, gathered her clothing into a bundle, and locked up the house. Then, Felicia tucked her faithful doll into her pocket of her apron and walked to the nearest village. There she met an old woman. So gentle and so kindly looking that Felicia found the courage to tell her the tale. This woman, being childless and moreover charmed by the girl's beauty and sad story, took Felicia in to live in her little cottage. The old woman treated Felicia kindly, so kindly in fact that the girl found time hanging heavy on her hands. She asked the woman for flax to spin, and when she had it, set to work. Felicia's spinning was faster than lightning, and the thread spun was silky as her own hair. It was so very fine that no loom delicate enough for weaving it could be found, and no one in the village was skilled enough to make one. No one, that is, except the doll, 
who one night, while Valicia slept, made a loom from an old comb, a shuttle, and the hairs from a horse's mane. Valicia was delighted, and by the end of the winter had finished weaving her linen. It was so fine a fabric that it could be passed through the eye of a needle, and with the old woman's help, Valicia bleached it to perfect whiteness. "'Sell this linen,' said Valicia to her protectress, "'and keep the money for yourself. "'It seems only a fair payment for your kindness to me. "'But that good soul had better ideas. "'The linen, she thought, was too fine for anyone but the, but the czar. "'And she set out for his palace, bearing the treasure. "'She arrived in short order "'and found the palace courtyard crowded with courtiers. "'They paid no attention, being busy with affairs more important "'than whatever a, a poor old woman might want.' Taking advantage of this, she unwrapped her beautiful linen and walked up and down the courtyard. The czar happened to glimpse her from a window, his curiosity aroused. He ordered her, brought to him, and so sought the enchanting fabric. How much uh, do you want for this, grandmother? He asked her with great kindness. But the woman replied that she could not sell it, for it was too fine to be anything but a gift. So the czar took it. No one in the palace, however, dared hurt the gossamer stuff by sewing it into shirts, and in the end he summoned the old woman again. If you can spin and weave such stuff, he said, surely you can sew it into shirts for me. It was not I who spun and wove, but a girl I sheltered, said the woman, for she was honest as well as kind. Then let her sew the shirts. And that is what happened. The old woman took the linen home to her village and told Valicia the Tsar's command. With a smile, Valicia obeyed. She locked herself in a room and cut linen to make twelve fine shirts, which she sewed with stitches so small that they were invisible. The shirts were given to the Tsar, who found them so beautiful that he straightway sent for the seamstress. Valicia was brought to the court and to the Tsar. He was captivated at once by her beauty, then charmed by her goodness. In short, the Tsar fell in love with Felicia the Beautiful, and nothing would do but she marry him. She did that very happily, of course, and all her trials were over for good. And she had an imperial palace to live in, a hundred servants to do her bidding, and the Tsar, all of Russia to love her. But Felicia the Beautiful kept the magical doll safe in her pocket for the rest of her life. The End was the story of Baba Yaga to help you drift gently to sleep. It wasn't as bad as other versions I've heard that involved more eating and killing of people. And instead of a doll, there was a cat. And the gate was actually sentient. And there was a different servant girl. But it doesn't matter. This story was perfect. So I hope that by now you're not even awake. You're just sitting there sleeping with your headphones on. And that you'll tune in next time for whatever story I read next, and that you'll leave a review on iTunes or tell your friends about it. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs>